On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. We went from a tiny little footprint to being distributed nationwide overnight. We're showing up at gyms and yoga studios or whoever would let us sweat in their place with a can with a cooler of drinks and coupons and doing the most grassroots marketing. Try my product. This is where you can get it. Yep. Let me tell you about it. And that's how we did so much of just our early game plan was just meeting people. And I think yep. go to the yeah, gym and give them right. drinks. I'm trying to keep simple things simple. So we did right. stuff like that. It was really successful. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Brandon Smith here on the King stage. My brother, Brandon. How you doing? Chaz, happy to be here. You know, I'm happy that you're here. And, you know, through some conversation back and forth, you're a Kansas Cityan, kind of. Kind of. That's the... Not anymore, but, you know. Yeah, origin of my company. As I was wrapping up some of my hockey playing days, playing for the Mavericks. Yeah, I, I spent the better part of two years there. Absolutely loved it. And, and that's where Newman was born. So I, I have some roots there. That, yeah, man. So excited to talk about your company. Obviously, it's got some roots even in your own story of, of athletics and just sports and that type of a feel. But yep. tell us what kind of company that you have, Brandon. So we make fitness products. And the, the origin was just was, it was a, an old school sports drink. Currently, we have a sports drink, an energy drink, and then a recovery wellness soda. Started with my brother and I. We were college minor pro hockey players traveling traveling the world doing it like most you know i say most most teenage boys who who finally like made it got sure. there got free free sports drinks and whether you were a, a pepsi school or a coca-cola school it was powerade or gatorade and it was it was very exciting because you could drink as much as you want and you can watch the commercials your whole life this is this is it that's right uh, and at that time i was really starting to like just understand sugar sugar my diet stuff like that we'd have nutritionists talking to us talking about how much added sugar you have and for for those who actually want to watch the video here, you'll probably see like I'm already have some perspiration. I'm the I'm one of the sweatiest people you're ever gonna meet. Always cramping, dehydrated, like all that kind of stuff. So I would drink like five, six Gatorades a day. So 250 grams of added sugar, just just to try and wow. stay dehydrated. And then my brother used to actually get acid reflux from Gatorades, just from the pH of, those, of the sports drink. So our aha moment or, or where we thought we were understanding this was my my sweat and jared's acid reflux was like can we make this healthy low sugar easy on your stomach easy like and that was that was the the seed of the idea yeah it's grown a lot since then and a million turns but that's that's where it was and then the uh, kind of the founding story in the kansas city roots were i think this is this is the the 12 13 hockey season was the last one that, that i played in but I'm in Kansas City playing playing for the Mavericks. My brother's actually in Anchorage, Alaska, playing in like the same like kind of like minor league circuit. Sure. And our other, you know, founding partner, more like a, I would say like advisor, 
who yeah. was a helped us got going chairman of the board type. He's in Southern California. So we're, we're working and essentially like my first experience using like a Google drive and some copy pieces. So like we're like using the drive and doing stuff all over the place. And that the, the minor league hockey schedule was practice at 11 and home by like 1130, 1130 noon. So there was, there was time and, you know, yeah. a lot of guys played Xbox and, so some guys were like, I'm going to do something else. So, you know, in, in the, in the spare time, we were, like I said, kind of sidepreneuring this about just like understanding some marketplace and idea where we wanted to take it. And we're just, you know, sending stuff back and forth between those three cities I was mentioning and, and yeah. had some time to kind of lay some of the groundwork before we took the plunge. That's awesome, man. I, I love the, the fact that you, you know, put a bunch of work in before you, before you jumped, it doesn't mean that you can't you know, jump before doing work. It just means that you were taking advantage of the time. I love that part of the story. Okay. So you've got, you've got this real need. It actually has always blown my mind when you look at the Gatorades and the Powerades of the world and you're like, wait a second, this, this is not good for me at all. Actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many bad things about this. And so the same team that brought in probably the nutritionist to help you become a great (laughs) athlete is the same team that brought in the, the power and the Gatorade. Neither here nor there. I digress. Yeah, it's like oh, there's a there's a need for companies like yours. Let's just leave it like that. Totally. Okay, so you create this product. It's out of physical need for you for your brother. It makes sense. There's probably other people that are functioning like you and need this. Okay, great. My question to you is, what's the deep burning desire of Brandon? Like, really, why are you doing this? I understand functionality why you did it, but so that's a really good question. And and part of that story was. I think the, the, the really short answer is it was accidental. And it was, so at that time I was, you know, 25, 26, went from playing college to playing minor pro hockey, hadn't had like a real job and was getting to the point where I was like, you know, I, I love this. I'm, I'm probably not going to make the NHL. And in terms of pro sports standards, I was, you know, 25 at the double A level. So I kind of was what I was like, I wasn't really going to go up at that point. So I was, specifically I was studying for the GMATs and I was like, okay, I think I may go back to school and maybe be like, they have like a lot of like grad assistant programs or maybe I could coach some hockey, take some classes and, and, sure. and get an MBA or just, I was just thinking about those things. And my brother just was a second semester senior and had just taken an entrepreneurship class and was just, just, just had this, like, you know, had a class project doing something and, and actually wasn't, it wasn't specifically on this, but just had this like this kind of itch burning in him. And he had just done his like Wall Street banking internship and he hated it. And we were both, he was really into entrepreneurship. And I'm I'm basically looking there with all this time in my hands. And I was studying for the GMATs and just I am not a standardized test person, didn't like it at all. And he's like, hey, I'm thinking I want to do this. And, and I would say to, to answer your question, like, it was just motivating and addicting and exciting. It's just what it was in the beginning. And that's how I got started yeah. on it. And the story that I like, I, I, I tell in those early days is we had a, you know, for minor league hockey, double A level, but for me, a big deal. We we're like in our game seven of the semifinals of our playoffs. Yeah. And I, we just in our minds had some like deadline that we had to like finish this business plan. I, th- I think it had to do with some funding. So initial, like sure. getting us off the ground with our one partner, he's like, I need to see, our business plan and what we're going to do to take this thing live. And I had game seven of our semifinals and I stayed up till 3am of like the biggest game of the year. 
it's for I guess it, now it feels like it's it's almost funny like this arbitrary deadline. But I was just it's I was just addicted to it was just yeah. so interesting and exciting, and I just wanted to just like it was it was intrinsically motivating, exciting, and that's what got me out of bed doing it. And and then you know years later, I would say like I I have, and, and I know it's something you've talked about in, in your pods and your videos of just like the the persistence, and I think just kind of getting to. In, in business. And then I guess like coming out of this hockey career where for my whole life, I had, you know, I started skating. I went to a church social when I was three and saw the guys out there. thought the gear was sweet. I had no hockey, fan, no hockey in my family, but saw yeah. it, played hockey from the time I was like three until I was in my mid twenties competitively. And was like a, was never like the most naturally skilled, but made it because I was a grinder and was willing to work my butt off. Like right. that was kind of like how I carved out a niche. My brother did the same thing. And as we have launched this business and been in this business, a lot of that same, just like deep down competitive, like, I don't give a shit, I'm not giving up, like how I operate and wiring is, you know, like there, there are many days where it sucks and, and that's, that goes on a lot, but I, I just have this, like, I'm not stopping, I'm keeping going. And like that, that now is a lot of like the driving on it too. I love I love how you gave the picture of early on and now and and as you said early on that 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 obsession that like that intrinsic like oh I just want to get after it and win it keeps you up till three a.m. and then you were up at six for practice ready to roll yeah the freshest you've ever been only on three hours of sleep we all know what those nights feel like and we also know the nights that were just like I can barely peel myself from the pillow you know mm -hmm. and so I, I think having both of those along the way provides us the you know the mindset of or, or at least the gratitude perspective right yes and you know and i feel like now i'm i'm in a such a different phase like so 10 years later married have a toddler and my wife is a resident at the cleveland clinics so we're finishing that so her schedule sucks just as much as mine we're raising a kid you know yep. it's a totally she, different tough <laughs> different tough baby gets covid but we both got shit to do in the morning you know what i mean there's all these like all these different types of distraction and training and i think you kind of mentioned that that gratitude that I I didn't like I I get to work on this and it's like yeah. I, I still feel incredibly privileged that I still get to carve out my own life that I want to live and the business that I want to work on I'm still getting to do it and there's yeah. you know plenty of other distractions and stuff that all just make you want to stay in bed like oh baby was up from two to four last night crying it's just like I have like, but I skip the opportunity to work on this and 100%. it's a totally different perspective. And yeah, I'm, I'm still grateful for the opportunity that I have. The, the gratefulness and, and the obsession really, it's like a, it's a burning, like I need to win. And for you, Numa is the outlet of that. And for us listening to your story here today, our outlet is, you know, our business or our family, just like yours. But <clears throat> I think it's the realization of like, man, I get to do this. Like you just said it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Wow. Yeah. And that stuff will wake you up before the alarm clock, even on the days where baby was, was. Yeah. And I, I think, I feel like, like most businesses, we've had our, our fair share of near death experiences, you know, <laughs> where, interesting way to put it, but yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Like, and I, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll show some of the stories. Like we, we were in the early, I keep saying early days, but I'll probably say, you know, as we launched our product, you know, put yourself back in 13, 14 shoes. And at the time, a lot of the 
the advice of the smart people in the room. And, you know, I, I kind of prefaced that, like, I was as raw and as new to this as you could. So I was trying to talk to smart people and just, hey, how, how can we start doing what you think is smartest? And there, the direction was, you need to be doing this in a, like retail is where you're going to live. And if you're, and at that time, it was almost like people were laughing at people who wanted to sell drinks online. And I'm sure you can tell I'm setting this up, like we're, we're an e-commerce now. Oh, but so we spent so much of our time and our hustle trying to just, just bang our head down that path, like super, super, super hard. Yeah. And we, again, like one of the things you had, you had kind of led with was like, Hey, there's, there was a need for this. And we understood and learned how to tell this story, yep. creating, you know, what the need was to a lot of these grocery buyers. And we, the way we found out about how we're going to do this, I think the, the one thing we knew about our product, the consumer I was going to live is that we were from day one thinking we were going to be positioning this as a, as an elevated better for you compared to the Gatorade Powerade set. So instead of the, that target being like 15 to 22 year old, generally male, but you know, they're, they're actually doing a better job being more inclusive, male, female, but sports was what like, you know, yeah. basketball sticks, championships, whatever, like that's what they're about. It's like, we're going to be more, a little more adult, a little more fitness, a little more, you know, yeah. boot camps, running, CrossFit, yoga, someone who no longer cares if, you know, athlete du jour holds it up. Someone who's just like, I'm an adult. I, I want to put less crap in my body. I want to, so like, that's what we thought, that's what we're thinking we're going to position ourselves. So yeah, we, we were able to like, we were able to go and tell that story well to our grocery buyers. And, and, and we're actually getting like too much traction and too much acceptance from those buyers. And our, our distribution grew from outside of just the Midwest, you know, Cleveland to nationwide super quickly. And us not really knowing what we were doing and all that stuff and telling our investors like, Hey guys, we got a nationwide, like, you want to do this? And everyone's like, hell yeah, let's do it. And we went from a tiny little footprint to being distributed nationwide overnight. And we got to this place where a lot of the things that made us successful in the early days in terms of product market fit and brand awareness were really based on the, we call it the Numa bro hustle. It's me and my brother. We're, we're showing up at gyms and yoga studios or whoever would let us sweat in their place with a can with a cooler of drinks and coupons and doing the most like, right. Like, you know, hand on hand grassroots marketing, try my product. This is where you can get it. Yep. Let me tell you about it. And I would always, you know, you can tell I've, I love talking to people and get all excited about our story. And that's how we did so much of our, just our, our early game plan was just meeting people. And I think yep. one of the, one of the things that we always talk about is like, you know, if I was going to, if we were a tea company or I don't know, so it's like, where would I go meet people who love tea? I don't know, but I know people who need sports drinks. They're at the gym. So go to the yeah, gym and give them right. drinks. I'm trying to keep simple, simple things simple. So we did okay. stuff like that. It was really successful. And then all of a sudden got to the point where we said, Hey, we can go everywhere. We said, hell yeah, let's do it. So we put drinks everywhere and we no longer had this strategy, the mechanism that created awareness. Right. And then we tried to chase our tail with different ways of how we're going to create that awareness. And we were doing, we were replicating things that we hadn't done and making just crappy assumptions. Interesting. Yeah. And, and then not long way of landing this point, like to those near the experiences, we had to be like, guys, we're, we're going to be, we're going to run out of money and our investors and all the things that we're trying to do. This path is not working and had to really like swallow our pride hard about 
it was always fun to just, okay, we're in all the Whole Foods and we're in all these Walmarts and we could list all these things and it felt awesome yep. to tell people, That's you know, right. trade show, we have all this distribution and it made you feel important, but it was really bad business and it really wasn't good for us to be able to keep this thing around. And then really had that understanding, understanding and realization that if, if we want to, you know, if, if we want to keep doing this and have the opportunity to do this, like, we need to be humble. We need to take, we need to take our medicine. We need to restructure our business. We need to do all these things necessary to keep this going. And, you know, back to way back to where it's, it's like, I'm, I'm grateful that like we made, we did those things and I'm still here and I'm still doing, grinding on this business and had, had, you know, that's one of our new, it was like, I've had these right. like first in our businesses that we've just never knew and had to make these, these tough choices, but we're, we're still here. We're still growing. We're still fighting. And it's, it's yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah. Well, let's get, let you just gave us all kinds of good stuff. So let's get, let's get to work uh, inside of what you just talked about. Someone might be thinking, well, if you were in all these stores and, and you know, shipping nationwide, like that sounds like a huge success. Why did you have to change? So give us the detail there. And then following that, I'll, I want to know a little bit about how you made the change, but why first? So why? So it was really at the end of the day, it was understanding unit economics, profit margins, channel profitability, and all and all just like again, one of the things you talk about a lot, just like core fundamentals of business and understanding. I make a I make a drink and sell it to the grocery store. Who needs to touch it along the way? How much does it cost me to make it and get it there? How much do I make? And then some of the things that that were our big misses were the cost to support it and then create that demand in those markets. Right. So just, just because, so just to clarify for the listeners, yes. just because it was in a shop in California doesn't mean that there was interest from somebody walking into that store to buy it. Exactly. And, and most grocery stores have between 40 and 50,000 items in there. So right. to, you know, and, and landing the shelf is only step yes, one. That, oh, that's the, you've, I've only sold one person. That's the grocery buyer who decides they want to bring it in. I need that's people right. in the store that actually know something about this that, that want to buy it. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and I had no awareness and, you know, my brother loves this saying, it's like, you're always the hero in your own story. And I make this sports drink that's better for you. It's like, everyone's going to be so excited about this. But just the idea that like, there's 50,000 products in this store that people are just yep. going to walk up and down Let's the be honest. Yeah. And randomly just find mine because it was just the exact thing at the right time. And even if you're in the market, most people like have just their blinders on, walk up and grab the same couple things and head out. And they're not yep. in this you know, exploratory uh, mode, exploratory mode to just discover something. And that's right. That's right. all of that hard work and assumption that we talked about the NUMA bro showing up with coupons and coolers, telling people about our product and why it was different. What, like that was, that was where we were finding the right consumers. Yeah. Uh, and, and at that time, whether or not you wanted to go buy it, you know, at that gym, we were meeting at, but we always gave you a coupon to our local grocery chains and stuff like that here. And that's what actually made those numbers in those early days yeah. look so appealing to those buyers who were like, wow, I can extrapolate this everywhere. Exactly. Um, so we we had this, we had the demand piece solved and we almost, we didn't really internalize why, why we had these results here and not over there. Yeah. So we started doing all these other things, like what, why those unit economics didn't work elsewhere was we were doing all sorts of things like for us, like paying for paying for in-store demos, like we, we thought that was going to be a good thing, but for us selling a, selling a healthy sports drink, unless you were, unless you were coming from the gym and actively sweaty or probably really hungover, it wasn't a good time. It wasn't the right occasion for use where 
if I if I went to this gym class with you and you're all sweaty and you finished, like here's a sports trip. You're That's ready. The exact right time. That's right. So we, so we good. were doing all these things that were we thought in a vacuum made sense for demand about how we're going to go and create it. They didn't. And there was a lot of these just for us understanding the, you know, the rules of the game of how they were played on a, on a regional versus national level. And, right. you know, and some of these retailers just to, just to, you know, if you wanted to run a promo and you're in like one little region, cool, there's no admin fees, but now all of a sudden you're nationwide and you want to run a promo just the admin fees to change the tags in the stores across the country are 12 grand. And you haven't, right. even, started, you haven't even started funding the promo. And now you don't even know if the promo is going to work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the promo is going to work. So all of a sudden we're, before we start, before we even start, we're in the hole, we're running like six promos a year. So now we're in the whole 70 K on yeah, 70, 60 K on that 70 K, something like that. And then you're funding the promo. You're in, in the early days, we're like, Hey, we want to run. And, and I don't know if it was self-serving, but, I think the strategy behind it, hey, the buyer goes, you should run shallow, more often promos. So we're running this, these promos and when one ends, one starts in another six weeks. So all of a sudden our buyers start getting trained that only buy it on deal. And all of these, these the terrible, terrible market. Yeah, and all of a sudden we're just, we're chasing our tail, trying to create demand. We've chained our buyers to not, to that, to devalue the product. And we're doing all of these things that are just, just not the right core fundamentals of how to run a successful business. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand how we got there, but in terms of, as we started seeing it play out and needed to make that, you know, I, I keep using this kind of idea, but this, it, it was, it was a very, just like, it was very humbling to just say and realize like, got to do it different. We got to do it different. And, and it was some of the, like, you know, I, I remember just giving presentations to a couple of investors that like, we're going to judge our success of this company about how well we do in these couple key retailers. And we just, we failed at it. And we, you know, we were seeing, and we were understanding why we failed, but we were also seeing, we, that was, that was a really bad KPI and a bad thing to go tell them because we were seeing like, we have all these other things that are, that are an incredible, an incredibly viable path forward. And for us, it was e-com and, and it kind of lined up with, you know, the, it was already happening and we were going there before the pandemic. And for us, right. as the pandemic happened, people were becoming a lot more willing, especially with grocery was, it was a category that changed late that oh, people yeah. just always kind of told themselves, I like to see and touch and feel my groceries, but especially for stuff like us, that's shelf stable, the, yeah. people became a lot more comfortable buying those things online. Yep. And we're, we're going that direction. It's becoming viable. And we, we put all of this effort and focus into this one one direction that wasn't working and found another pivoted and as we as I kind of hinted a little about just understanding just different channel profit margins and stuff like that we were making like you know maybe a buck a buck and a half a case selling it to the grocery store and we're making eight nine bucks on our website it's just like well yeah seems like it's right right a lot we could then we acquire customers better online and we were trying to like you know run ads to just be like hey so and so in phoenix go buy it at the grocery store and we need you to shop at that one or two grocery stores. Like, oh, we can just yeah. tell you to buy it here. Or you just click um, right here. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a couple of things that you've just that you've said here in the story that I want to make sure that the listeners follow along because you're given really, really good business stuff. And so, number one, <clears throat> the ability for you to marginalize or or understand your margins in a way to where you could actually say, you know what? <laughs> this sucks. 
Yeah. Because the vanity, you mentioned it, the vanity numbers get us all, whether that's revenue, whether that's cases sold, whether the fact that I'm in all the Whole Foods, like you said, like whatever that vanity metric is, we all like it because it feels good, like you said. Mm -hmm. But if there's no money being made, that's like the real, like looking in the mirror going, is it doing what we said it was going to do, even though I'm in all the places or whatever the the vanity metric is. So that's number one. Number two is... The reason why it worked for you in the gym, you said all this, so I'm just kind of repeating it, but I want to make sure it's hit home for the for the listener. You were there telling the story, giving the sample, being able to help them understand the difference, like all of those very, very like precise things to the exact right person. You probably weren't talking to the 18-year-old who really didn't care about the next level fitness. You were talking to the 25, the 35, the 45. Yeah who cared and probably had the money to care about the next level fitness. Okay, fine. Well, how does that translate into your, your two models here? Well, when it's direct to consumer or when it's e-commerce, you can tell the story. I love what you said right below that too, is that it's all about the right timing. And so again, with e-commerce, you can be really, really precise on location and timing. And there's a bunch of marketing efforts that you guys have done that I'm sure you just dialed this in, but for the listener, I want you to walk away with here is like, you can't, you know, he wasn't just selling sports drinks. He realized he was selling a uh, next level fitness opportunity. Organic, no added sugar, every blah, blah, blah. So the person who cares about that. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and that person understood his story and they could read it online. They were sophisticated enough to point, click, ship. In fact, that person, so probably someone like us, doesn't really want to go to the store. Has, yes, the, the, the buying patterns change. Yeah, I don't want to go to the store. Even before the pandemic, I ain't got a time to go to the store. Mm-hmm. I care about fitness, but I'm busy. I need your drink to help me, right? Yep, yep. absolutely. Way it rolls. Dude, so good. You gave us both the good and the bad decision all kind of wrapped up into one in there. What, what I want, Coming out of that, what I really want to know is how do you make decisions today? You, We've talked a lot about the early days. What about today? You're running a successful business. I know you don't make everything perfect as far as good decisions, but no. what's the formula for you now? Oh, said, I mean, it's a fantastic question. So we, we use, do the best we can. We use our own version of EOS entrepreneur operating system. And yeah. we're doing, you know, sitting down, setting year long, year long goals and quarterly metrics and check-ins of how we're trying to do that. Setting, setting good yearly goals and quarterly goals and checkpoints is very difficult, but we're doing as doing everything we can to make sure that they're as actionable and as yes, no, here's a number we, and, and then trying to evaluate ourselves against it. So yeah. that's, that's a big part of what we do. And I would say we've been doing that for the better part of three, four years. And, and we, we, we have kind of a local, a local group of business owners. Most guys have plus or minus our age, you know, mid thirties that are kind of same revenue rate ish, you know, ballpark enough that dealing with the same kind of problems. So that's been, you know, and we all kind of collectively did it together and had some accountability together and helped do that. So, awesome. so that that's one big part of like, okay, how are we just strategically thinking about some of the things? And I think the, you know, some of the things that we have really embraced, embraced recently from a just understanding about where we're going is is we we are further, further understanding and just the concept of just like what expenses really mean and what we're investing in to grow. And I had one of these guys just tell me this quote and I didn't believe it till way too late, but it still helps. It's just like, keep your business simple, kid. 
And it, and the more that we were trying to invest and chase things that didn't help us grow. And, you know, if, if we're making, you know, just, just big round numbers, if like, you know, in a channel after all the stuff to deliver it, if we're only making 20% profit, then I need to spend $1 and make five right. to, to return it. And we just really weren't, I didn't deep, deep down understand that. Like I, I knew it conceptually, but I didn't deep, yeah. deep down understand how we were spending. So I think yeah. the, the, the real core of it is that my, my brother and I, I live more on the finance side. He lives more on the marketing side. But as we come together and just review where we're at in our business and we just carve out time on our calendars to just get together and talk about just what's, you know, high, high level going on. It's, it's being very detailed on our P&L about just like, it's line item by line item. I just like, are we sure that this still needs to be in here and, and just yeah. being meticulous with that? And you know, we don't, it's not like we kill everything immediately, but we highlight things pretty quickly and say like, we need to keep an eye on this. And there needs to be, it needs to be as part of our, like our rocks in the next 90 days, or it needs to have some sort of reason to fix this or yeah. it's not going to stay. Or Yeah. So you just, you just dropped uh, some, some super easy, but complicated math on us. So I want to go, I want to go back to that. I can just through our conversation, I can tell that you're a meticulous individual, even just the way that you speak, you're very thorough. And so the listener may not be. And so I just I just want to point this out because in order, so on that 20% example, make $5. What that means is that of the five, I, I profited one. Yeah. Then I then I'm gonna I'm gonna invest a dollar, but that it has it has to return five to even just be a one-to-one wash. return on investment. Yes. A wash. Yes. <laughs> and then for me, like then my my cost of goods and like I for us, we ship. We ship heavy, we, we ship water. You know what I mean? Water and flavor, but like we're shipping boxes of water at the end of the day. They're heavy. And it's not like we're selling iPhones where the it's a $600 ring. We're selling a $30 case of drinks. And yes, that's expensive for, but it's not 600 and it costs, you know, 15 bucks to ship. So if you start dialing back, like all these numbers about like yep. what I'm actually keeping in my pocket at the end of the day, once right. this is delivered to my customer, and then if I'm, if my cost of acquisition to Facebook, you know, or whatever, I'm, whatever source I'm using, it's an influencer or just standard ads, all that kind of stuff. And you start backing out the dollars I put in and, and we know we're not, we're not always going to be breaking even on the first customer, but just also understanding the quality of the customers and the re, their likelihood to repeat. We're, we're definitely a repeat, repeat purchase business where we're not going to be profitable, but we, we do really need to know about like, are we, and if we're going to go in the hole on customers, like how far in the hole and how much in the, the quality of customer to right. keep them coming back. So I, I know that took you off a little bit of just oh, like no. the math on that, but just, you know, there is that other portion about knowing, okay, the things that, you know, as we highlight, like, okay, we want to invest in this and we know that, Hey, we're not going to make it up with the first web, but we know if we get customers from this kind of traffic source that they're good for $300 of, of purchases a year. So we're going to be out on, on average across that whole cohort because they came from a real, you know, a traffic source that we have enough data on that we know what they act like. Okay, cool. So we know we can go in a little bit because, you know, we, we're, we're in the whole four months, but over the course, you know, four months to break even. And of course the year we're possible this much. Okay, cool. That works. But yep. it's just really, really knowing like, those numbers so well that has been the core of all of like just 
why we've been able to survive and the changes we've made and just being so dialed into that is super important. How, how you can run a business. Yeah, especially in a super competitive lower margin space where you're not selling 600 or $6,000 or $60,000 item. Yeah. Those things matter. And so you service tens of thousands of clients where someone selling $60,000 of something is going to sell only maybe a couple hundred. And so even just even that, like it's, it's a little different, like hmm. a lot of less opportunity, but, but more margin each time. So you got to take advantage of the margin when you do it, because you're not yeah. going to have 60,000 options. I, I wish. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's just a completely different business. I, I think the math there, I used to tell this to salespeople all the time, you know, like, okay, so if you had, you know, a 10% closing ratio and you had 30 prospects in your, in your pipeline. Okay. So that would mean that there should be three deals in there. And so I always give the example of you make one phone call and you close the deal. So you've got 29 prospects left, right? And they all shake their head. Yep. And no, I already told you, you have a closing ratio of 10%. And so even though you still have 29 prospects in there, we, we have to get rid of 10 of them. So you actually only have 20. And so that, this is where people get caught, whether it's in sales or in business, yeah. is that I think I'm getting $5, but that $5 only really actually means one to me. And if I, if I get underneath that for too yeah. long, that you just all of a sudden, you're gone and you didn't even know why. Totally. And like that was, that was a lot of the, the you know, the first near death was a lot of that. It was just like, we're, wow, we look at all these numbers, all these stores, all these sales. And, and how are we not surviving? How are we not surviving? And, and how are we not surviving? And how's it, how's it getting worse month over month? Um, right. And it was, right. wasn't understanding those really just key fundamentals. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go over to my KPI question. You mentioned earlier that you had a couple of maybe bad KPIs in that story that you were telling. What is the one? KPI that you would track forever and ever if you could only pick one. Mm. So I asked the data guy to, to yeah, limit it to one. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I think I would be tracking at this point. I'm looking at a ratio, just a just a profitability ratio off of our website, which is just our key. This is the blocking and tackling of where we want to be driving the majority of our traffic. So are my traffic fully, yeah, my fully, fully landed costs of what it, you know, between whether cost to deliver the package, cost of goods sold, taking into account some things like on average, how what's our like average ticket rate? How much, how much are we like to like serve an average order? Like what percent of our orders are actually going to generate a ticket needs sort of response? How much like all figuring out like every, every, every cost that I could put in there. My cost of my boxes, do I need to be getting a better box or a worse box? And for us, selling expensive sports drinks people people get really pissed if their 35 dollar box of sports drinks comes damaged and leaky so okay do we need a box that costs a quarter more or 50 cents more like putting and knowing all of those types of things into that number to know exactly off of my website what percent of sale as i just can always keep having this rough number okay when i check my shopify every day here's here's the number what percent of it is actually in my pocket like what kind of count on that and that's that's the that's that that ratio that I would be looking to just know like if, if I had one thing that just could tell me all the time what's going on that's the yeah number. well you did a great job of actually explaining the reason even why I asked the question it's not like we only get to pick one obviously there's many that we track but you did the math for us or you did that you did the the ladder like if you know this one then what it tells you is a synopsis of all these others. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not that you need to do that in a business, but 
what I have found, what's super helpful, if I can quickly look at one singular number, I know like mm, I'm heading in the right direction or I'm heading in the wrong direction. Now, of course, I need to dig in from there. Yep. But I can't, I can't work on the business if I don't have a singular one or two or three high level things where I can like be watching all the time. And then as soon as it's off, then I'm in. I don't yep. have to be in unless, you know, otherwise yeah. indicated. And, and we and we try and we have a scorecard that we use and try and update it on a you know on, on a quarterly basis. And there are some drill downs for each department. But the the purpose is exactly what you said is that you know we on, on that scorecard I think there's seven there's seven numbers. And the idea is you look at the scorecard and you know nothing else of what happened in the last month. I know exactly what happened in this business, and that's the that's the idea. So I, you know, getting down from seven to one was hard, but I, that's, that's <laughs> how okay. we, I'll let you keep your seven. Yeah, Don't worry. That's how we try and think about it. And that's, that's the one is me as the finance guy who as, as I'm trying to roll it up. And, you know, I was like, Oh, is it the acquisition stuff? It's like, no, I, I need to know this one. That that's, that's the one at the end of the day that right. Good. I would take with me. Brandon, what, what resource book, podcast, event, anything like that, that you would recommend for a business owner listening right now that's helped you. So this is a, so I listen to, you know, I, I walk, I listen to stuff all the time, but the, the one that I actually just like, like the most, it's like, it's not even the most like in depth, but to me, it's just a, like a very nice high level. I listen to market NPR's Kyra's doll marketplace. I listen to that almost every day. It's like 30 minutes, it's a quick hitter, have my AirPods in. And I, I think the reason that I like that one so much is it's a, like, it's a one-on-one level macroeconomic generally us and it does have some worldwide stuff and for me like I'm, I'm buying coconut water from the philippines so knowing about backups in the port of la last year like that that was making my life suck but just i, I like just hearing stories about people talking about just like business and, and i think the reason i like that one so much is that most of it's not actually about stuff that's like specifically mine but there's always just like little stories of how people see the world and what they're just dealing with on a day-to-day -day level then I just have always just found myself, you know, for years, just like listening because one, I think it's just enjoyable. I always, I always learn stuff about different people's businesses. And I always think it just rubs off in some way that like, oh, you know what? Like I've seen something like that or how's that in my business. And I you know how or have a situation or conversation where I just, I've learned something about that. So that's, that's why Absolutely. I like, and I like current and daily stuff like that too. So yeah, it keeps you informed or at least, at least you feel informed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We feel, we feel in control. Whether we are or not, we, we can at least position ourselves to feel that way. Totally. What do you, you've kind of already mentioned this a little bit, but I want to dig into it. Your feelings around networking and or masterminding with other entrepreneurs specifically. More than just maybe listening, but actually, you know, doing the thing. Yeah. And so we have been, we actually have our, our, our meeting on the schedule because we were a little slow over the last year. I think we only had one meeting and we, we had been going quarterly. And sure. it's, and I think that's, that's the reason my point is that like, it's so necessary. And it's one of those things that it's always just like, there's a million excuses always about why you can't do it. 100%. I got this, I got, I got travel, I got this. I got, and, and, and the reason why to me, it's so important and so necessary is that one, we've had the same group of people that for almost like six, seven years now. So there's an incredibly high level of trust trust, empathy, openness that like, you can say whatever you need to there. Guys talk about more than just business, but it's mostly just business, but people can bring personal, people can bring whatever they need. And there's enough time to like, see, you know, when you tell someone you're going to do something and you can come back in a year later, you can actually have like, you had a year to do this, where are we at? 
right that's right but it's so it's so important and i would say so hard and and if you haven't gone from zero to one or even if it's you've been to one to I don't know, like you, one to 10, but like you need to do 11. And it's, it's always so hard or in your mind, you can give yourself so many reasons why like, oh, I can't do it this month. I got too much this, too much that. But every time that we go, every time um, my brother and I always walk in and, and we go, we always a, a two for one. We always just walk away like, damn, I learned like this is, this is our, you know, and, and it's always, we generally try and do it around like, you know, planning for next quarters and things like that. We're sure. not, yeah. no, but like, we're always seems like, this like I I understand my quarter so clearly, and especially when you have to get in there and like explain it to people who That's are right. your peers who are going to hold you accountable, and explain to them like in a minute about why this is important, why we're going to dedicate our time to this. And like so so why are we doing this and not that? And you have to like right. really explain it and dig in. Like it's it's so hard. It's hard, but so valuable, and it really forces you to prioritize and understand like what you need to be doing with your business. So, yeah. Yeah. You've given, you've given a real perspective of the agitation of, of a group or a mastermind, you know, Napoleon Hill talks about this and think and grow rich. Um, It's actually why I started gathering the Kings because I felt like a lot of masterminds were either like an event or, you know, surface level, a lot of the big corporate ones, you know, it's like, it's good. But like, it never really went anywhere. I never had anybody saying, well, but, but why? Why is that important? Like what you were just talking about. It's the agitation mm-hmm. of one mind to another or 10 or 12 or 30 or 40, whatever the number yeah. is. Man, and we walk away from a lot of agitation. There's a lot of like, a lot of fireworks going on. And you're like, man, I, not only do I have a full tank to just go run again, mm-hmm. uh, I've got some ideas that could propel us to the next level. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Always. there's implementation Always. that's still yes. left to do, but good stuff. I, I got a question for you. It's interesting because you're in business with your family, but I also know that you've got a wife and a toddler that you mentioned earlier. So yeah. my question around family is this. I believe that there is no such thing as work-life balance. In fact, what I believe in is work-life obsession. And we're obsessed in our businesses. We just got done talking about that for the last half hour. Yeah. How have you been able to obsess about your family and maybe even, you know, especially with your brother being your business partner, how do you do that in addition to the business at the same time, all in? So with my brother, our Venn diagram is like the circles are almost like exactly the same. And for us, like a lot of the, our, our childhood, I just mentioned hockey is like, so we're, we're still, we're now like the, you know, 36 year olds that play men's league hockey together. And like, and so it's like, we still have that like workout glory days. Yeah. We're still, still right in the midst of it. So we still like have this, you know, compete hard in business than like, like playing sports and working out shows. Like that's, that's a lot of our, like our super tight time. Our mom lives in the area. So we're still super close with her. We regularly see her just dinners on the weekends or things like that. So that's a big part of us. And I would say, you know, they're that, part of our relationship that's outside of outside of the business that that actually that's almost some of the easiest stuff we do because we're like i said kind of the core of our business has always been like this fitness place and that's that's what started us and that still burns like hard and we still love doing that we work like i said work out together almost every day and so that that just takes its place well the relationship with my family in this house here my wife my toddler that's that's super difficult is the honest answer and and yeah. for me running a small business she's like i said a resident finished some that stuff it's like her schedule sucks as much as i you know 
and oftentimes like she'll come home and she's actually dealing with life and death stuff there comes home and is spent to a level that, you know, I think I've been spent dealing with like bad suppliers or stuff like that. And she's like, someone died on the table today. And then you're just like, you know, and, and understanding like, wow, there's, there's a, just a, a, a level of just perspective and empathy that like has grown a ton where oftentimes, you know, like, Feel like you're the star of your own show it's just like man my day was oh, i can't believe it today and then coming home with that so what we've tried to do doesn't always happen but i've really tried to do it is just try and make sure like daily but it doesn't happen daily but if we at least try maybe do it five times a week is that there is just an individual time after the baby goes to bed us no devices like unless like we're gonna we're gonna clean our closet we're gonna build a shelf we're just gonna do like these things where it's just like it's us together doing a thing and we're gonna just take our time to just not and like i'm, I'm actually like i don't want to i don't want to sit here and watch a netflix show with you i want to actually just like have a, no tv on no nothing and we're gonna do something together and and having that just an actual time that we're like making a real effort consistently to just connect has been challenging and like that for for both of us like there's never enough time and you have to put in work to do it, but our relationship's so much better when we do. Yeah, I love I love the authenticity there. I have yet to interview a person that says, "Yeah, we got that one all wrapped up." In fact, yeah, we have no room for improvement in this area. It's real for sure. It's real. Okay, I got one last question here for yep. you. I want to know if you had an opportunity to whisper in the younger Brandon's ear, what would you say? Oh, so I, I guess. I'm going to give a business answer here because I think there's a lot of these other like life ones that I, that I could give. I'm going to give a business one. Sure. It would be know your expenses when I started this. And then if it was just going to be a high level life one, my answer would just be enjoy the moment. And from the business perspective, I've wasted time, money, lots of it, not knowing my expenses and what they actually meant. And, you know, if I were able to restart it, I think I'd be so much better because I have, you know, I still carry a lot of these scars about these bad decisions we made, but that's all part of it. And if I were to say, you know, on, on that life, uh, on the life back to Brandon, you know, and I guess I'm using like earlier entrepreneurial days. So, you know, okay, I'm, I'm done playing hockey. You know, I'm an adult. What, what are we doing next? And it would be to enjoy just the the journey and the ride more in that i think a lot of what you know has come to define me is just the journey more than the result yeah yeah it's good it's good i think that we can all relate to that i think that even if we've heard that it's tough to in the moment go you know what i'm supposed to i'm supposed to enjoy this moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's tough it's like tell that to this supplier right now but it's just like you know what like um, I'm building something hard and, and like I said, I, I get, I get the chance to work on this. And and I think what is the incredible perspective. part that like, like not, not that for the, if you're a banker and love it, then that's good for you. But like, I could be, I could be doing a banking job. I don't like, and <laughs> that could be the, that could be the alternative. You know what I mean? And, right. I, and if I don't have the, and I, I have the chance to carve my own path and, and work on something I want to do and, and it wouldn't be fulfilling and meaningful and everything if it wasn't hard. And there's going to be all these, all of these constant roadblocks or whatever you want to call them. And that's, that, that's it. But like how you navigate them, how you work through it, like that's what makes it so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, if we if we didn't work out so hard, we wouldn't need that uh, that really clean fuel. That's right. A sports drink afterwards, right? Yeah. So Brandon, I got to I gotta know, number one, how do we find your products? Tell us your website. Tell us what's on the website. What are we going to find there? And then of course, how can we connect with you as an entrepreneur? Cool. So website is drinknuma.com, D-R-I-N-K-N-O-O-M-A.com. When you get there, what you'll see, we make cleanest fuel on the market, three products. Well, four of them's out of stock right now. Energy drink, recovery drink, sports drink. And, and what this is, is a, a take on what you kind of, you know, grew up drinking or may see in the market, but in a real clean, simple ingredient way. So our energy drink, organic green coffee bean, we're using on our sports drink, coconut water, pink Himalayan salt. Our recovery drink is cherry juice and turmeric across the board. Like I said, no added sugar, all organic, just real clean products. And I think when you, taste this, taste our products, try them out. What you'll see and notice is that, you know, we don't have a, a cotton candy or a, you know, just, just flavors that don't drink. add value. Yeah. Don't add value. They're just like, well, this is obviously crap. These are just, these are real ingredient products. And that's, yeah. that's what our, our company's built on. I would, I would recommend we have a sampler pack. That's just one of everything. You can try them all out. I made a promo code. So hey, yo. yeah. So if you go over to our website, I'm going to use King 30. And for first purchases, 30% off your first order. We'll keep it open for a month after the show runs. So you can get Perfect. a chance to check them out. And I'd love to just, you know, hear your feedbacks on the product. We're always, yeah. I mean, feedback on products has been so, so key for us. Over the so please yeah. let me know what you think. We're always trying to get better on that. Then in terms of, like I said, you can find, that's where you can find the business. Me is generally the best for me. So, you know, Brandon Smith, Numa, that you'll be able to find me there. Send me yeah. a message. Happy to connect. I'm not super active on, on Twitter or just other socials. So, yeah, I, that's okay. We'll put all that in show notes. And just to recap here, you got to go to drinknuma.com to get the promo. King 30, it's going to get you 30% off. I love, I love when guests do this because it gives us an opportunity to, to partner with you. And, and I'll be getting, getting a sample pack myself and seeing what we can do with this product because we love clean stuff. My wife more than more than me, but that's okay. I'm on the bandwagon. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, she drags me along and, and I, I do what I'm told. No. Right. Smart. <laughs> it's right. Exactly. Smart. Brandon, you've been incredible. Thank you for just authenticity here today. Not only just the authenticity of your ingredients in your product. I think that's important to note, but just in your story, man. I love what you're doing with your business. I love what you're doing with your family. Even though it's tough, I can I can get behind a guy like you that's, that's doing it real. So I appreciate you being here. Blessings on your family. Blessings on your business all the things that you touch in 2023. Thanks for being here, brother. Cool. Thanks, Chaz. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge 
a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.